Yes, bartender, Magic Mirror will have another. And pour one for Appalachian State's coach as well. Idiots, big 25-point lead at home. Belt's talking about his win. This is so dumb. But in the words of Donald Trump... Look at that big ass. Look at that big juicy booty. I'm gonna come. Cycles. We'll lose part of the system for a while. There's a finite amount of memory. You can't use it for everything. We're going to compile for half an hour. Go ahead. Hour, 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 hour. All of you. I'm approaching the Torino Soul product. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 119. I'm your host, Danny Belts, the taxing burden of vengeance. I feel like I should tax that magic mirror for talking all this shit and get some vengeance. Sing it, Kenny! Kenny Loggins, ladies and gentlemen, does not have to record another album because Belts came through again. Two consecutive nice, fat winning weeks. We'll talk about the games that were last week briefly. One in particular, though, is just really funny. We'll talk about that. The Drunk Neighbor comes on to talk about the New Mexico game last week at Death Valley. And then the upcoming game at Auburn. Boy, if you didn't see Auburn play Missouri, (laughs) Missouri misses a six-foot field goal. And then in overtime, instead of winning the game, the running back fumbles out of bounds for a walk-off Auburn touchback. You have to wake up so early in the morning to be that bad and try to lose a game. If you think LSU tried to lose versus Florida State or vice versa, go watch how Missouri lost to Auburn. You'll find that under any encyclopedia of idiots because it was unbelievable. LSU needs to win this game, make no mistake, and I think they're going to thrash Auburn. We'll talk about that. Bro Exotic has won a game. Woke Forest would not be burned by the agricultural cisgender racist school that is Clemson. And Tommy Bench will come on to discuss. Well, I'll just let him get to that. So much going on now in Iran and such, as well as some Senate races getting close and ones that are very strange. And I'll just let him get into all of that. So anyway, we're in a hotel room again here, but this time... I'm in the, uh, it's somewhere in Philadelphia, Mississippi, the Golden Moon Casino. I was playing cards here two months ago. I was accused of cheating by two drunk guys that I played against in Biloxi. Uh, Boston Dan got a good laugh out of that story. I will be down there displaying all of my talents. I'm taking my talents to the poker room tonight, and we will be going nuts on a 2-5 table, and I'm coming in. I'm going to come. And it's going to be absolutely great. So... The episode today is one that, you know, I think we all deal with at one point or another, and we are going to get into this pretty soon, the taxing burden of vengeance. And I'm going to speak not so much on what I've done, but something that I almost did very recently, and it scared me back into, wow, you really, really are still having some insane thoughts when certain things happen, and I'll tell you all about that. So first, let's get into last week, 4-2-1. and one. We added on the Instagram page the South Carolina team total over 44.5, which they scored about 60 uh, on Charlotte. Uh, they did not have the team total up when we did the episode last week. It was on the Instagram page. Check the receipt, check the timestamp, all these things. We are very, very, very nitpicky about what we put on there. And the thing is, is that some people have asked me like, well, I don't have Instagram. Well, get Instagram and just follow us then. I don't know what to tell you, pal. Plenty of podcasts out there. I know that. But I'm tired of getting on the record here and getting a shit line because I know a line's going to change in two days, and it does. And I have 
I have a crap line. And that's just not fair to anybody. So we are putting that on the Instagram page. But I'll always tell you the games that we're looking at. And it doesn't mean we're going to put them on. Typically, we're just waiting for a better number. So all the games that won last week were pretty straightforward. The NFL game that pushed right on 52. Kirk Cousins saves the day throwing a touchdown to push it at 52. If you waited, you got it at 51 and a half. And it was a winner. But it's a push on this podcast uh, one of the losses was really absurd. The bo- Two of the losses were the Michigan-Maryland over, where we got 20-something points in the first quarter, 31 points in the fourth quarter, and it still went under because there was zero points in the third quarter. That game was really ridiculous. Uh, it should not have went over. The, the over was the wrong call, but, boy, it had so many opportunities. And then the Tulane Southern Miss game. L.A. Burns is all over Southern Miss all week. It's the perfect spot for Southern Miss. Will we got Will Hall over here who knows Tulane intimately. He recruited half these guys on the offense. He's over there with Southern Millionaires. That's Southern Methodist with to the top Southern Miss. And Southern Miss ends up getting 13, 12, 12 and a half, some 13 points, winning the game very easily up by double digits nearly the entire fourth quarter. And then, of course, Southern Miss does what I feel the drunk neighbor talks about an epidemic with special teams fumbles. There's another epidemic. It's the one where we're just going to let a team score. And, and really, this is not even from coming from the gambler. You could almost see it coming. Southern Miss, who's been playing jam man to man in your face all game, chasing Pratt around like he stole something as a six year old. They are on him all game. And they drop back into a cover three, and Tulane scores in sixth place. A touchdown to put the game over. I mean, we would have went 5-1-1. One, and one. What a big difference between 5-1-1 one, and 4-2-1, one, and albeit 4-2-1. and one, Still a pretty damn good 9-11-1 after starting 0-8. We've only lost three games and racked up nine wins and a push. So clearly the tide is turning. But you just, I'm mad at myself because, you know, L.A. Burns the whole time, um, on Sharp Insight, good friend of the shows, not a tout. If anyone wants to di- t- discuss his service, hit me up online, reading his emails yesterday about the situation report and the week before. Clearly, it was a horrible spot for Tulane, coming off the biggest win in the Fritz era and then playing Southern Miss, who's a tough team, and the game should have went under. Tulane scored in their opening possession, and that was it. It was a couple field goals and then a meaningless touchdown at the end of the game, which put it over. A lot of people text me about that one, and that's just kind of how it goes. But all in all, most of these games got to where they needed to be. One thing I want to highlight is this North Texas team. (laughs) I'm telling you, I said it three weeks ago. They are a walking, breathing, living over. They're a living document of over. They do everything in their power to put games over. They go for it on fourth down in their own territory. We like that. (laughs) They really don't like to kick extra points. They seem to like to go for two a lot. I don't know how I feel about that, but okay. They love to turn it over inside their own 10-yard line, and they love to have 90-yard touchdown runs. It's incredible. Uh, It really is. And every time the other team gets the ball, they might lead the world in penalties. I mean, it's just they can't help themselves, and we love that on this show. And they play Florida Atlantic, and shocker, Spoiler alert, uh, we go in there again most probably. We put that on the Instagram page with Illinois plus the seven and a half, which we're going to get into, which is basically what we're going to be talking about today is the Wisconsin-Illinois game in comparison to what I like to call the taxing burden of vengeance. When it comes to vengeance or getting revenge, this is something that is as normal 
thinking about doing it is as normal as breathing or eating and sleeping and cucking. <laughs> it's, all the, <laughs> it's just the same. All of them are normal, very, very, I guess, everyday things that happen and then the caliber of which it happens will then basically dictate the caliber of the type of vengeance you're going to want to exact. But I will tell you right now before we get into this, the problem with vengeance is, as in the title of this, it never goes away. It just doesn't. You'd think you'd feel better after you do this, but later you will find that you won't. If you've done something like this in the past and you still feel justified in what you've done, whatever that may be, kudos to you. I'm not saying it's bad or good, nonetheless. All I'm saying is that for my experience, looking back on some things, and not just in the last few months, just over the last few years, really, I have seen the fruitless action of what comes of things when the main thing that you are wanting to do is to exact revenge. And I have a really good story I'm going to tell you that I told a long time ago, and I'm going to tell you one of something that happened extremely recently. But first, before we get into that, people would usually quote the good book, right? The Bible, the most quoted book ever, also the most misquoted book of all times by far. You know, if you're strolling around and, you know, the Old Testament, you come across Leviticus 24, 19, you'll hear, you know, eye for an eye, right? The tooth for a tooth. And there's a certain context to which that was being written to, and then a certain audience that that was being told to. And really what happens here is we just take that and we play plug and play. We put it wherever we want and say, look, God said it's fine. Bam, I just killed my neighbor for banging my wife. No, it's not really how it works. And if you want to get to more of the soft side of things, you can go to the New Testament, right? Maybe Matthew chapter 5, 38, I guess, right? We'll go to the, uh, we'll go to the, the, the King James Version, not any of this NIV crap that my dad can't stand, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other side also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak as well. The Bible basically telling you to double down on not just giving up a coat, but a cloak and getting socked in the left side of the face, then advising you to turn your face to the other side to get hit on the right. Well, see, that's not really what it's saying, and I'm not going to get into a theological Bible discussion on a podcast predicated on gambling, but I will tell you that if you're getting your ass kicked or trying to protect your wife and you get punched in the left side of the face, uh, God's not telling you to take another one on the other side, as we most of us would understand the context or at least the message that was being trying to be delivered there and i understand that now more more than ever what's taxing about the burden is that much like that a heavy suitcase or a vest that you may go running or walking with it only gets heavier as the walk continues the drunk neighbor has like a 30 pound vest he let me borrow it for a couple months and i would go on these long walks during the the pandemic summer and man, that was just a great workout. You burn like the thou- like you go for a walk like three hours with this thing. You're gonna burn like fifteen hundred, two thousand calories, whatever. But it just gets so much harder the longer you walk. Now the burden is not getting any bigger, but the problem is, is the walk just wears you down, and the actual weight of that burden will eventually bring you to your knees. I almost didn't complete one of these walks because the vest was just so heavy. I was going to have to start taking out some of the sandbags and then coming to get them. But then I risked the drunk neighbor somehow seeing this 
or seeing me with less weight and then ridiculing me for life. So I just finished the walk with all the weight on there. But my point is simple. It's not going anywhere. It's just not. I told this story two years ago. It's one of my brother's favorite stories. It's one of a lot of people's favorite stories. And I'll give you the highlights. We're going to run through it quick. My senior year, I get a phone call from a friend of mine in college, a platonic friend of mine, very pretty. And I said this before, I realized at a young age, having good-looking platonic girlfriends only leads to hot girls on the other side. You don't want to actually try to hook up with these girls. You don't. You want to keep them in the friend zone. And they, look, they kept me in the friend zone, let's be honest. But I mean, it attracted so many others. It's, it's, it's a great thing. And she called me up and she's from Colorado. My wife met her recently. This girl now, her name's Michelle. She's a millionaire, a millionaire. She came up with this business of book covers. It sounds so pedestrian. Yeah. Okay. A million dollars later, she does like 1.2 a year now in gross sales. It's out. It's unbelievable. She turned down actually a spot to get on the shark tank. This is not a joke. And she's extremely successful. I've always liked her a lot. And she was always like a relationship type gal, but senior year, she kind of started getting out a little bit. She didn't have a boyfriend anymore. And she calls me one night from a bar on market street, Wild Wings, not Buffalo Wild Wings. There's a circuit of Wild Wings. It's a, fr- it's a, it's a, not a franchise. It might be now, but they're in the Carolinas prevalently. And this is on Market Street, right in the middle of everything. And she's telling me that she can't leave the bar. And I'm just like, why can't you leave the bar? I'm sober. I hadn't been drinking for like two months, training for something. It doesn't matter. And I, I, she had woke me up. And she explained to me that there was some people not letting her leave. And I'm like, what do you mean they're not letting you leave? And then she starts like crying or something. I'm like, all right. So my, it's my junior year. I'm sorry. I wake up my, one of my best friends who unfortunately no longer walks this earth. Larry, get up. We've got to go help Michelle. He starts grumbling about something. And then I just see him go in the fridge, slam a beer, <laughs> slam a beer and say, let's go. So we only live three blocks down the street. So we get to the bar and we see that her assessment is absolutely correct. Somehow, the bouncers are too busy doing other things. The bar is overflowing because of this stupid band that was local and really popular. They sounded so dumb. And then she was basically not being let go. These guys had her like cornered and they weren't touching her, but I could see why this was weird. Now, I know you're probably not understanding how this could happen. I really still don't, but she's just so timid that she just wasn't going to do anything. So I went over there, grabbed her by the hand, pulled her out of that corner, and started walking towards the door. I had to get back to sleep. I had a lot to do the next day, and I feel something in the back of my head. I checked the back of my head, and the dude had hocked the loogie, and it hit me on the back of the head. My friend had saw this happen and immediately knew what, what time it was. Immediately, he takes his watch off his wrist. He's been down. We don't need to get into all of it. I'm just saying... He has been down this, he's seen this movie with me before. Uh, Within two seconds, I assess exactly what I'm going to do. But before I could do that, this dude points over here with his right hand and I look and with his left hand comes clean across my face and knocks me unconscious. (laughs) Cuts my lip uh, on the way down. It was a combination, I don't know how he landed these, but I was out for a good like half a minute, okay? And it was bad. I had a concussion, I don't remember anything. Uh, for like two days after that, I was like puking, could barely walk and all this. And after about a week, the word had gotten around a couple of influential people that I knew. And I was like, we need to find out where this kid works because it's my turn now. So long story short, we go to his job in West Ashley. Somebody in the kitchen told him I was outside and he comes busting out that back guns blazing. He kind of scared me. I was going to try to run up on him. 
uh, I was, you know, an idiot 21 year old and he just, you know, I'll meet you head on. Right. You know, and he did. And if you didn't know the rest of this story, he did the same thing. I look over somehow again, and this time he knocks me almost uh, into the emergency room. I know you probably don't believe this. It's not easy for me to talk about it. But yeah, this time my, my brain definitely shuffled uh, a lot, went down. And it was bad. My parents were informed that I was in the hospital for a few days. I mean, <laughs> it was not good. And this is why my dad dropped my health insurance a long time ago. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't blame him. But the point is, is that in this, in this spot, I had built such a, a burning desire to once again get in front of this kid and exact revenge. Now, he shouldn't have spit on me. And I shouldn't have been stupid enough to look. What do they say? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, the third time we found out where he lived, and I'm dead serious, we were going to his apartment. And I didn't want anyone jumping in. There was only four people with me. I just wanted to make sure nobody would jump in on me. We're going to do this the right way. In a parking lot, all of these things. In an episode coming soon, I'm going to talk about how two men should be able to sign a document and then have no weapons and square away in a parking lot with some sort of magistrate there, just like in the old days with the duel. But instead of killing each other, we're just going to punch each other. I think that a lot of things could be solved in white collar, blue collar, in every walk of life. We'll get to that next week. But I had planned on doing what I was going to do. I was healthy again somehow. At least I thought I was not concussed anymore. I felt pretty good. It was a time later. And then long story short here, I keep saying that, but we went to the room that he was in, the apartment door, to find out that he had indeed moved out. His name was Scotty Ferguson. I'll never forget that. One time when I was drunk, my brother found a Scotty P. Ferguson and showed me a picture of him, and it was him. I think he found, I don't know how, but I'm looking at him. I forgot where he lived. And, you know, I had built this thing around me that whole month where, like, I couldn't even be around people without talking about what I was going to do to this kid. I couldn't just take my medicine. No, I had, to, I had to chase the revenge. It cost me two friends in the meantime. I'm really skipping a lot here, but it's irrelevant because the conclusion is it's just a bad idea. Now, coming back one time to his work, I'd be knocked out again and doubly embarrassed. And let's be honest, this dude had a, he had a stone on his left hand. He might have done it again. I like to think he did it twice because he sucker punched me both times. But then again, who's that stupid? Me. So really, in the wake of all of this, I found, even at a young age, maybe it's not the best idea to constantly pursue this because I do know one thing. If I had taken it to the level of going to his house where he lives, you can only imagine the extent of which I was probably willing to take this. This is not an admission of toughness. It's more of an admission of stupidity than anything, and also an admission of the unwillingness to just accept the inevitable that this will only get worse. It will only get worse. When the Hatfields were going at it with the McCoys, Kentucky, West Virginia, right around there, and all this was going on a long, long time ago, as generations went on, over 150 years later nearly, or 100 years later, excuse me, the other generations didn't even know what the fight was over anymore. They had no idea. They just knew that one of their cousins, or the McCoys, was killed by a Hatfield and one of the 56 people that had died in this exchange, and they were bred into the hatred, bred and born into a world of vengeance. And that taxing burden would cost all these men their lives as they just played one for you, one for me, until finally they stopped. But I even think they still don't like each other right now. And I think that they still might be going after each other. 40 years ago, I was at least in court, and they stopped shooting each other with shotguns over moonshine. But the point is that it just comes to nothing. And the revenge comes to a point where you don't even remember why we're doing this. Why? 
I don't even really remember why I wanted to fight this kid. What, because he spit on me? Because I grabbed a girl away from him even though he was in the wrong? He shouldn't have spit on me. But I should have known that not to look the other way like an idiot twice. But the Hatfields and the McCoys would find that all this does is keep digging this hole. And eventually you might end up in China like Nancy Pelosi said you can. Or what will happen is you'll go full circle. And really it just begins to become like Groundhog Day. Except you even forget why you're in Groundhog Day. Because it's not a movie, is it? It's not. I have a couple examples of which I really regret. I really regret some things that I did. One was indirect. It was through somebody else. You know, a good way to get revenge is to have someone else do it, right? And I'm not talking about just getting someone to get a crowbar and kneecap somebody. I mean, I'm a little smarter than that. That I really, really put the screws to somebody at Johnson & Wales my senior year. I didn't need to take, the extent, the, take it to the extent in which I did, but I could not sleep until I did. And when I did it, I felt satisfied. But I still, even years after that, not just feel dissatisfied, not even saddened. I feel almost broken because of that. Because nobody wins. It's, it's, it's a loser, which is why Jesus just asked you to turn the other cheek. Oh, belts, you're getting a little preachy. No, I'm not. It's a very literal reference, literal reference that everyone understands what it means and what the point of it is. If you just surrender that as hard as it is to do, and I still can't do this, but he's telling you the blueprint on how to get away from this, right? If anything, it's noteworthy at minimum. Recently, I got a phone call from someone that's really, really close to me. I mean really close. I'm going to be very careful how I explain this. But he told me that he had just lost his job. And I said, what? See, this person had just held a job with a certain company basically since he got out of college, so about 15, 16, the better part of two decades with the same firm, and he left the firm because a client of the firm pulled him away, lured him out, gave him a lot of money, and gave him a C-level position within more of a startup company within the greater New Orleans area. We were all very happy for him because the current job he had just wasn't really anything that a sane person can continue to do. This person's very sane, but doing this job over and over, public tax will make you insane. I mean, you, you don't even see the guy from February to March to April 15th, and then you think it's over, you realize, no, we had an extension, it never ends. It never ends. So anyway, good move for him. So he told me that he was no longer working there, and he said that he had been let go. Stop the story right there. Let's back up five years. While I was selling with a restaurant company, I had to deal with a lot of the underground shade that is the inner businesses in New Orleans. A lot of these guys operate in the shadows. The most influential people in the French Quarter, there's about five families. One of them's of Middle Eastern descent. We all know who they are. Starts with an M. That's about as far as I'll get. I know these guys intimately because I used to work with them even in their shady office on Canal Street that looks like the Rape Motel till you get up here and it's like the ivory tower when you open it up. It's incredible. But, you know, I've seen that before. And, and this company I was working with was kind of like a second party to them. They were affiliated only through a couple pieces of paper that no one would ever find. And like I said, when they operate in the shadows, I just mean they don't want to be on the front page of any newspaper. These guys operate in the dark for a reason. If you're going to be shady in New Orleans, it ain't too hard to execute the company strategy and exactly what they were doing. 
These guys are Russian, most of them. And the problem with what they wanted to do was is they wanted our system in their restaurant. First I asked, well, you don't even have a liquor license? Like, no, we don't have one. I'm like, okay, not having a liquor license in a restaurant in New Orleans is like, you know, I, I don't know, Panera Bread not having bread. Like, what do you mean? I mean, the food is, well, I won't get into how overrated the food is in the French Quarter, is wildly overrated. But, you know, a lot of these guys don't get by because their gumbo tastes like the one down the street. It's because everybody's drunk and they can sell alcohol and sell it to go and sell you mass quantities of it, etc. So immediately when I hear they don't have a liquor license, I know one thing, they're not trying to make money. So if you want to not make money and you're not really frying a lot of food and you want this system I was selling in there, oh, you'll lose a lot of money. And I told them that and they, they said, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't a restaurant. It was more of a washateria. Oh, except they weren't washing any clothes, to say the least. So the problem with these people were is that they didn't really have any credit. And if you didn't have credit, then net terms are out of the question. You had to go on EFT. They did not want to do that. And they pled their case to me and asked if I could help them out. And I did. I did. I really did some backdoor math, talked to a couple guys at corporate, and we got them net 30 terms somehow. And because this happened, they were not going to go, not have to go on EFT. They could pay with these <laughs> – I think they paid cash almost somehow. But long story short is that these guys have a restaurant still without a liquor license. <laughs> And they don't really fry much food with a system that only makes sense if you fry a lot of food because like a lot of restaurants down there, they're not looking to make any money. And, and I basically exchange numbers with these guys and every now and again, we'll, we'll say hi. And these guys are not the type of people I would say you won't exactly cross up. Uh, we're going to get back to that, that, that guy I was telling you about that lost his job in one second doing this on purpose. Kind of like a Quentin Tarantino movie a little bit here, but you, you'll be fine. So what had happened was, and to make things way more, I guess, not, uh, how do I put this? To make it easier on you, there was another set uh, of these guys that also kind of did like a side business with them. And these guys were Chechnyans. Do you, do you know where Chechnya is? Why don't you Google that? And they're over here in New Orleans somehow. I don't know. I don't ask. It's not my problem. They pay their bills. That's all I know. But a family member of mine that was estranged a long time ago because he basically went just insane, put our family's name through the mud. Uh, one day they called me up, they, these people, and said, uh, your uncle wants to uh, borrow and then put out an amount of money. And I said, what? Yes. So these guys also will give out loans. I think they, it's loan whaling or is it loan crabbing, loan lobstering? Loan fishing, I don't know, loan something ring, right? <laughs> and I will tell you this, you borrow money from them, you're going to want to pay them back. <laughs> you're going to want to pay them back. And guess what? This loan probably ain't interest-free, Sally. So you may want to get it all together and then some. Somehow he gave the money back to them. We don't even know how that occurred, but I know I told my dad and a couple of my friends what had happened and they were shocked because these guys, I mean, this is the last leg. I mean, you borrow money from these guys, you are in a bad way. Because if you don't give it back, I, I, I won't go any further. I don't think they'll kill you, but it ain't just like going to get wiped away like Biden's student loan idea, right? It ain't going to happen, okay? So I already had that like run in with them. And, and when that happened, I said, look, I don't associate with this man at all, et cetera, et cetera. And they understood that, yeah, we're related, but I'm not with him. They just wanted to check in, kind of feeling around, maybe doing a little background call like you would on like an application or checking up on a reference, if you will. 
And it's important that you know that because they still trust me. They still like me. And because I was able to help out the Russians indirectly, these people from Chechnya, <laughs> uh, you know, they told me a long time ago that we owe you one. And when guys like this tell you they owe you one, well, they're not making that up. Okay? Roll your eyes, turn the podcast off now, find another one. I don't care what you do. Stick around here, I'm going to tell you exactly what went down and exactly went through my head. Fast forward to the story I just told you when this person really close to me told me that he had just lost his job. So you to understand the gravity of this situation. He has a daughter that has unbelievable, uh, it's, it's amazing she's, she's here. I mean, she's a beautiful, healthy child, but during the, the birth of the child, she's going to be really small. She had uh, problems with uh, not being, uh, what's the word, uh, her... Um, Uh, immune system. There's a lot of things that were there that required a lot of medical expenses and they had really good insurance. Also, he's been there forever. He has tenure. It's a high paying job. And then you go with the startup company and and it's all gone. Like it's all gone, which is a really big problem for a lot of reasons. And I don't need to bring up all the areas in which there's red flags here, particularly with the insurance and everything. But I went from zero to 90 in three Mississippi. He couldn't even get a word in. He was calm. I wasn't. And I'm flying off the rails on the phone with this guy. I think I may have broke a record for Mother F's. I conjured up new cursing conjugations that not even like the dad from the Christmas story, Darren McGavin, could have strung together like I did. It was incredible. And then I just came to the conclusion and I asked him a question. I said, you want me to do something about it? The problem with that question was, is at the time, I wasn't joking. He knew that. Now, he laughed that off. And after I thought about it for a minute, just realized, yeah, that'd be about the dumbest thing that you could do, right? But what he didn't know was that if he said, yeah, let's go ahead and do this, I'm probably going to make a call. I'm probably going to pull a card and I'm going to redeem that favor. Now, is that going to be throw somebody in the Mississippi River? No. I mean, is that going to be, what, are you involved with organized crime? No. No. But it ran through my mind to do this, which is the stupidest thing, stupidest thing one could have thought. Now, this person that's close to me had no idea this was going through my head because I've never really told anybody this except for my dad years ago when he laughed. Tommy Bench is kind of familiar with some of this because of the idiot family member that wanted to borrow money from these guys. But nonetheless, I was almost willing for that one second to take it to that extent. And there ain't no coming back from that. And if I ask these guys to do something borderline immoral, they're probably going to do it because they still have that net 30 somehow with this company. I asked them about it. It's incredible. And I made their life a lot easier to go about business, air quotes, in the way that they are currently doing things at their non-profitable but very effective restaurant somewhere in the depths of the greater New Orleans area. Maybe it's in the French Quarter. Maybe the CBD. Hell, I forgot. But the problem is, is even if I had done that, and even we have gone down that road, had we, the burden of that would have been too much to bear. And it doesn't need to be anything physical. Again, we're not telling you anybody to get kneecapped. We're just going to try to make somebody's life miserable for a couple of weeks, right? Because I knew that what that meant. He took the high road, of course, and we're not doing anything like that. But 
He ended up getting paid for a couple months while he was looking for another job and it all worked out and everything. At least the guy kind of came through and honored the contract at which, you know, the contract that he agreed to when he left said company to go to the startup. The point why I'm telling you this is that it's even burdensome now for me not just to say this, but to think for one second, for one second, that it's still possible for me to think like this at nearly 40 years old with a kid, a wife, a very good job to jeopardize all that for what? Because even had we done something, let's say we, let's say we did something about it and they would, let's say they did. Okay. Let's say they blew his car up. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that, that's actually what the Vietnamese mafia would do in Houston. If you didn't pay, go Google, uh, Vietnamese bookie blows up car, Houston, Texas. You'll get all you want. Oh <laughs> yeah. I may or may not have met those guys too. And I live there, whatever. <laughs> Shout out to crazy Jake. Anyway, the point is, is that it goes nowhere. Nowhere. And it only becomes more of a, back, a backpack full of weights that just begins to really, really tax the back and eventually will bring you to your knees. And there's a lot of ways to look at vengeance. You know, there's generic ways, there's direct, there's indirect ways. But every now and again, regardless if it's you trying to overreact because of someone you like losing his job... Maybe it's a land dispute in West Virginia and Kentucky over whose moonshine area is whose and generations start fighting and they forgot why. I remember when Nick Saban first came back to Baton Rouge. I remember it. Left to go to the Dolphins, came back, Alabama. Didn't go so well for LSU and they did not give him a warm welcome at all. And what we're going to see on Saturday is something very, very similar to that. Brad Bielma, when he was coaching Wisconsin, not only does he look like a badger, kind of, but he uh, totally, totally uh, played the mantra and persona of what is Wisconsin football. See, they have an identity, like Wisconsin basketball. Just like anyone else that has left that program, Tony Bennett, when he left and went to Virginia, they run the pack line. So does Wisconsin in basketball, that type of defense. And Wisconsin's always been a, you know what we're going to do, we're going to run it. You can stop it, good luck, but we're coming. And Wisconsin was extremely successful under Brad Bima. And then after winning a Rose Bowl, at one point, some other things went down. He decided to leave and go to Arkansas. And everybody scratched their head on why. I kind of understood why. Well, one, they tripled his salary, so there's that. The other thing is, though, he thought that he could come down to the SEC and make Arkansas relevant. And they were relevant with Petrino one year. They had a lot of relevance at Arkansas. But it did not work. It did not work. He was fired and then... Went to coach a little bit for the Patriots as an assistant, special assistant or whatnot, bounced around a little bit, and then found his way back to the Big Ten with the Illinois fighting Illini. They were probably the most surprising team in the Big Ten last year, ruining Penn State's season in a game that went seven or eight overtimes. If you look at the box score, you just see constant twos, 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 because they got to the point in overtime you could only score two. Game's like 10 hours long. And they were beat you know, the race-baiting coach uh, on his own field. And ever since then, I mean, Illinois is in every football game they play. They lost to Indiana this year because Bill was a little too conservative. If they played Indiana next week, they'd beat him by 50. Speaking of Indiana, they're a five-and-a-half-point dog at Nebraska. So that shows how far we've gone. <laughs> wow. Uh, but at the same time, though, Bilma has reinvented uh, this Illinois team in the shape of which he left the Wisconsin team in the Big Ten years ago. They have a very true identity. They run the football. They had the offensive line to be able to do this on just about any team in that conference. 
They play action every now and again, but mostly you're going to get a dose of two running backs and a big dose of their fullback every now and again. They don't do anything special on offense, and I like that. They're very vanilla. They play man on defense, rarely play zone. They don't get beat deep. They'll give it up over the middle, and they're very difficult to run on. This is a strength-on-strength game when they play Wisconsin. And Bielma (coughs) is walking in with a backpack that weighs about 95 pounds aside from his full shape. He's not exactly a guy that spends a lot of time in the arena of cardio. Met his wife on an airplane. She's a smoking hot blonde. It's so funny. I think it's great. I love the guy. I personally know a guy that got drunk with Bielma the first game they played LSU the Friday before, and he was drinking, I forgot what he called it. Bielma drinks some weird drink. I forgot what it's called. Called a redneck fruit punch. I don't remember what's in it, but it makes perfect sense. Full of sugar. And uh, basically, he goes, we're going to get our ass kicked tomorrow. And they did. <laughs> but the thing is, I feel like he's a very relatable person. And this guy comes back to Wisconsin, this time with a different jersey, different colors, different team, and a different mindset. Now, whether or not I'd have actually done what I said I was going to do with said person, it would have ended badly. And whether or not whatever example of revenge we want to get into, I can guarantee you it just would have ended badly. But in this case, I'm curious to see because Wisconsin is going to pull out every single stop. If Wisconsin loses this game, they will have three losses in September. Wisconsin barely loses three games in a year. I didn't put them on my futures. It's the one that I talked about and left off. I bet it, but it won't count. They will not win nine games this year. If they lose to Illinois, you can already cash the ticket now, especially after the blasting by Ohio State. They couldn't beat Washington State, and Illinois only continues to get better. And the problem with this is, is how is Bielma going to go about this? I hope, I hope he goes in there with that sound mind and not with the taxing backpack and the heavy weights a vengeance on his mind, because if he does, I think I know what's going to happen. It's literal in sports, and it's transitive to life. I don't care what you say it is. It just is. I'm hoping that Mr. Bielma goes in there with a mindset of humility. Somehow, even though I know he's not exactly a humble person, if he goes about it this way, something tells me they'll find their way into a cover or at least a win. But this is a huge game for Wisconsin. And they're going to pull out every single stop. But it comes down to this. Can they stop Wisconsin on these third and threes like Washington State did up there in Madison? If the answer is yes, Illinois will be able to move the ball probably better on Wisconsin and vice versa. They're a public dog. They're a public dog. Everybody likes Illinois. I got it at 7.5 Monday, opened up at 9. Now it's at 7. But... Every now and again, I just can't get away from a game, even when it's my main commandment, a public dog, my God. But we're going to do it, nonetheless. If you are thinking of taking something to the next level because of something that someone has done to you, I'm not asking you to turn the other cheek, but I am asking you just to stop and think for one second because I am here to tell you from experience things that I did, not things that I almost did. It is a loser. It's a loser. Just let that shit go. Where's the Molly music? Maybe get a pen, maybe some paper. You may want to jot some of this down, I guess. I don't know. I heard there was a prop bet in the Wisconsin-Illinois game that before kick, Barry Alvarez bangs over one and a half cheerleaders. I'll take the over on that one like he did last time. Tulane 
goes to Houston two weeks after their biggest win ever. Then they come home, and they absolutely cut for Southern Miss. I remember I had Mississippi State in 2007 laying 16 and a half points to Tulane, and Tulane beat them outright. Oh, that was great. The only bet worse than that is anyone that may have had the under in Appalachian State, North Carolina. I think they're still scoring, as that was the worst bet ever. But I wear those as badges of honor. We can't run from that. We have to embrace those L's. And speaking of embracing, we're going to go ahead and embrace the green wave here. This opened up as a one-point short favorite bet up to two and a half points in Houston. Look, Operation Clayton Toon, it's a failure. He's overrated. Operation Holgerson, a failure. I'm sorry. I like the guy as a coach. He should have never left West Virginia. The drunk neighbor still cries about that, and I don't blame him because he loves that team, especially with Holgerson. Look at that man and tell me he should not be coaching West Virginia. He came to Houston. It has been a disaster, and this program is now calling for his head. This will be Holgerson's last season in Houston. I can almost guarantee you that. And after watching Rice's offensive line run a train on Houston last week, hardcore, I mean a train (laughs) in every varietal possible, it's going to be very difficult for them to stop Tulane. Houston is so weak up front. I this this Tulane might blow them out. I'm serious, but we're going to get the best line possible. Tulane's getting two and a half points. NUH, we're going to wait. This is an Instagram play because the way the juice is leaning, this might pop up to three. There's a big difference between two and a half and three. <clears throat> Magic mirror on the wall. I started off 0 and 8. Rebounded. You care to expand? Please enunciate. Ugh. Fading you has become quite expensive. I hope this winning streak isn't that extensive. Seriously, App State up 25 at home. Congrats and welcome to Thunderdome. Oh, Belts, I'm sure you'll have LSU. Maybe Tulane. Sidebar, if Fetterman wins the Pennsylvania Senate race, this mirror will go insane. Has anyone seen that movie, The Woman King? I imagine not. Quite the box office sting. Nothing like Top Gun Maverick. Maybe that's a bad comparison. Anyway, Brett Bielma returns to Madison. Belts, I hear you're not drinking. Great. Illinois? Oh, yes, seven and a half. Maybe too many points. Here's a question. Can you still be like Latoya's husband in court and roll up two joints? (laughs) That actually happened. Google that. Mirror out. Magic mirror. Thanks for jumping in. I don't have any rhymes, but it seems to be that you are now changing your direction. Looks like you're focusing more with me. We'll get right to it. We do like Illinois getting the seven and a half points in Wisconsin, we like them to win this game. We cannot think they're just going to cover. This has to be a win. And not because they're getting seven and a half and it's a great line. It's because this just makes too much sense in the face of being a public dog and everything that I preach against. I cannot help it in this instance. I will die on this hill. I will go down with this ship. We are taking Illinois plus the seven and a half. You can still get it at seven. It'll cost you 25 cents to buy that hook, and I suggest you do. If they could be down by 14 and still backdoor, I do think they win the game. You're going to want to sprinkle that money line, too. We also have Washington, UCLA, 64 and a half. This game is interesting for so many reasons. Penix, the quarterback from Indiana, now transfers over to Washington, has been balling. This dude has looked good. I knew Michael Penix was good. They didn't like him because he's left-handed. And he's black. Maybe they're just racist in Indiana. I have no idea, but I like this guy a lot. Let's change the Molly music, please. This song's coming to an end. Change the music. Yeah, it's kind of like Inception. Going in and out of the Molly music here. Very dangerous to just switch songs, go completely another direction. We're doing it. 
Penix has been balling since he went to Washington. Indiana, very racist team we see, obviously. And you got Chip Kelly over here at UCLA still. They can't stop South Alabama. Lucky to escape them a couple weeks ago, the Mighty Jaguars. Ooh, we're so close to putting them on to beating, as the drunk neighbor says, USL, a.k.a. Louisiana Lafayette. We're going to have to stay away from that game. No, I don't know how to do that in conference. We like the Washington-UCLA over 64.5. This game is Friday night. It opened up at 66.5. Now it's been bet to 64.5. It's going the wrong way if you like the over. We are going to wait on this one. I hate to do another Instagram. There's a bunch of these, though, because it's going to keep going down. So you have to look at this Friday before the game. We will have everything up. We're going to be on that over probably. We just need to find out what the best line is, and then we'll take it. We like Washington, UCLA, over 64 and a half in a Friday night game at like 9.30. It'll end around 2 in the morning. You know how that works. The Navy is in the win column, finally beating East Carolina. That was a huge win last week for the Navy. And so many reasons why it worked out. The Navy's able to move the ball on third down again, and they play the Air Force, who is way better this year than the Navy. But my God, it opened up at 16 and a half points, got bet down to 15 and a half immediately. It stands at 14 and a half now. Man, even when the Navy was awesome and the Army was horrible, these games came down to single digits. Rarely was it a massacre ever. I do not see a scenario where Air Force just runs away with this. I like the game to go under. It's at 36 and a half, but I don't know how to really touch that. I'll take the Navy getting the 14 and a half on the record. We're taking Navy 14 and a half. I'll recap all these when we're done. Michigan opens up nine and a half point favorite. Bet up to 10 and a half immediately at Iowa. Now it stands at 11. Iowa looks like the worst team in the country. Uh, they really do, yet they haven't lost. This game's in Iowa. So, you know, the cancer ward, the children's cancer wards across the street. I wish it was a night game, but it's not. Michigan's going to be getting a lot of points here. I, they're just begging you to bet Michigan. I don't understand it. I understand Michigan's really good, but I understand that Iowa loves games like this. They might be the best home dog in college football. Uh, it makes no sense to take Iowa. We're probably going to do it, but we want the best line. And you'll probably get more than 11, probably get 11 and a half, might even get into 12 at that point. And that really changes things for the guys that are teasing things to get that over 17 and a half. So the books have to be really uh, wary of that number. We will be taking Iowa at some point there. So again, check the Instagram page for that. Back to the record. As I said, North Texas, the walking, living, breathing, pervert over. Everything about this team is an over bet that run into Florida Atlantic University. Uh, one of the worst defenses in the country next to North Texas. I don't even know how... If there was an over-under for fourth down attempts in this game at 8.5, I'd take the over. They're not going to be much punting in this game at all. Vegas still, I guess the oddsmakers haven't learned yet. These North Texas games need to be starting line in the mid-70s or maybe even the 80s. We will take the North Texas over as I feel they'll score on any team in that weight class and they'll give up points to any team in that weight class. 68's not enough on the record over the 68. And to jump on the drunk neighbor, what he said, LSU goes to Auburn, I never bet LSU on this podcast. It is so rare. I saw they're getting four and a half at home versus Tennessee. We're going on the record on that one real soon. That's way too many points. We'll be taking that. But we are laying the nine points on the road. I'm laying the nine at Auburn. I rarely do this. I think this is going to be a massacre. I really do. Probably only bet LSU once all year. Maybe on the show, this is it. LSU minus the nine. We are looking for a blowout. 
Nebraska is a five and a half point favorite at home versus Indiana. I mean, what? <laughs> I don't understand that. Let's act like I didn't talk about that game. We can't bet that game. But obviously, everyone's going to be betting, you know, Indiana. They beat Illinois, you know, and this person beat that person. The transitive property. Yeah, whatever. That's how you lose a lot of money. The Bengals are on Thursday night football. We are not going to miss this one. The Miami Dolphins come off another crazy win. The Bengals really still haven't looked good yet, and they're a four-point favorite at home. Miami's a big road public dog. Give me Joe Burrow de facto right now. Give me the Bengals. Going back to the NFL, minus the four on the record. We like the Bengals to blow these guys out, really. I think the Tua train comes to an abrupt end right here in we're on to Cincinnati. I can't say it like the drunk neighbor, but on to Cincinnati we go. We're laying the four. I'll take the Bengals in spots like this. Big public dog in Miami. The Lions overtrain still has not lost. They play the Seahawks, who got into a shootout with the Falcons. By the way, the Falcons could have beat the Rams, should have beat the Saints. They should be 3-0 almost. They are a lot better than people think. <laughs> they really are. And we are going to be looking at the over in this game. It's going to be an Instagram play. Because it opened up at 50, it went down to 48. I'm going to bet the Lions overtrain till I till I'm not. I say it every week. We're going to be consistent and stick to that. So we'll be waiting. The other one is the Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills opened up at 54 and a half. The totals down to 51. I still do not understand how this total is going down. Buffalo is going to be missing more defenders. Uh, they have the best offense nearly in the NFL. The Ravens since week one have been in two ludicrous. Shootouts. Baltimore is getting in a shootout even with defensive teams like the Patriots. They can't stop anybody. They seem to nearly score on everybody. We'll be looking at that over as well. I know this was a lot, so let me just tell you the ones on the record right now. Illinois plus the seven and a half on the record. Navy plus 14 and a half up there in Colorado Springs. North Texas FAU over the 68. LSU minus the nine on the record. We are waiting on. Tulane plus the two and a half. Washington UCLA over 64 and a half. We are waiting on the Bengals minus four. We are waiting. Oh, we're on, excuse me. On the record, Bengals minus four. Waiting on the Lions. Seahawks over 48. Waiting on the Bills. Ravens over 51. Ken! Danny Bells keep the streak going. I like my chances. I really do. And in the words of the leprechaun, <laughs> oh, I forgot what the leprechaun even said. That was so stupid. <laughs> I was going to say, me thinks not. But then I would have disagreed with myself on the win streak. I'm an idiot. Drunk neighbor joins the sports antidote. How you doing there, pal? Ready to roll. Well, let's just uh, call out the elephant in the room for the second time this September. We're not even in October yet. You managed to call the correct LSU score. That is pretty impressive. Back to back, much like George Springer and Jose Altuve used to always do for home runs. Yes, of the back to back varietal. Very impressive. 38 nothing. You know, we didn't really, I don't think LSU showed much. It was pretty a vanilla game, but, you know, they didn't really allow New Mexico to do anything offensively, which is what you talked about and kind of what we wanted. Yeah, it was vanilla, but you know what? I liked it. It was, it was great defense. It's exactly what we wanted. Uh, we got one injury. Uh, Garrett uh, Dellinger, our, our offensive guard, 
which it hurts, but I think we're going to get over it. Um, I think we're going to be okay. He's not, you know, I mean, he's a good guard and everything like that, but, you know, it's not the end of the world. So, uh, we, we, I, I feel good about the offensive line even without him. It looks like Trey Bradford's going to fill in. Um, so, yeah, they, overall, they got out of there pretty well. Yeah, I agree. And then setting up for – and not that, you know, you're very realistic when it comes to LSU expectations and all. You know, Auburn probably – I'm sure you saw how they were able to win right there. As you said, 300-pound kicker misses a chip shot, and then this dude fumbles one away, a walk-off touchback. Yeah, so – the the word on the street was that they were going to fire Brian Harson, formerly <laughs> of Boise State, if they lost that game, which is so stupid. Like if you're gonna, then what is this? Remember the Titans? Like we're just gonna, and only at <laughs> Auburn University, Yellowwood, that's their biggest donor, Yellowwood, they're gonna fire people if they lose a game. That's so stupid. Just be like Scott Woodward and say, hey, we know you beat Florida yesterday. It was the only ranked win of the year. You're still fired because we know we made this decision beforehand. It's not contingent on one single game. And and that's – you have to understand Auburn as a whole to really understand where that is all coming from. They got rid of the Waffle House manager that was their coach before, the only coach that's really brought them into national prowess since Tommy Tuberville. Obviously, Gene Chizik was the head coach, but he was the OC that year where Cam Newton went crazy. Blah, 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 blah. Let's, let's not do an Auburn history lesson because there's not a lot of history there. It's a disaster of a program. A short book. Yeah, it's a very short book. It's like of mice and men, maybe even shorter. <laughs> it, it's a animal farm and, <laughs> and, and only half is communistic. So – the uh, so what, what I'm trying to get to this week. So, obviously, everyone is talking about how I've predicted LSU score two weeks in a row. People are talking about it. Presley's barking in the backyard, and I have a third dog here this week. By the way, we might be the whitest people on the planet Earth. <laughs> we have a German short hair pointer, a golden retriever, and now this weekend I'm watching a corgi. The Queen's dogs, as you may know. So we got a lot of we got a lot of white people dogs here. No pit bulls. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> the uh, the opportunity this week, I think, is LSU had. This is a must-win game, right, Belts? Yeah, I, I really. I don't want to put Kelly on that that stool just yet, but yeah, if you lose this game, it really does deflate a rejuvenated season after a helter skelter week one loss. Yeah, and, and, you know, week one was a bit of a disaster. But, man, and I kept using the word encouraged whenever I was talking about the Southern game, whenever I talked about the Mississippi State game. And now I'm going to do it again. I'm extremely encouraged by the way that the program is shifting. It feels like there is an opportunity to continue to grow. Look, LSU's not going to be in the playoffs this year. We, we still need to temper our expectations. I, I think that we're going to win this week, and I'm going to make the prediction of 29 to 6. That's going to be my prediction for LSU, 29 to 6. I do think they roll. I, I think they're going to roll. I, I This kid, Ashford, that's starting at Auburn, I don't think he's very good. I, but I think they'll 
it's always kind of weird at Jordan Hare Stadium to go in there. It's just LSU doesn't really have a ton of success there. They've won a couple of games over the last like four or five years, but it's not a sorry. Yeah. Less than that. Over the four or five last times they've gone there. It's just kind of a weird place to play. Like LSU and Auburn kind of went back and forth. The home teams for a while won that matchup every time. Uh, when that got broken, whenever TJ Finley actually started for LSU, not to digress too much. But <laughs> anyways, the the fact that LSU is going in there, I, I feel like this is just going to be the next step. And it's really a good padding for Brian Kelly as he goes into SEC away territory for the first time. I know it's a tough place to play, but I do think that they're 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 in such a weird spot there in Auburn that it's a good spot for him to go out, get this win, and get ready for Tennessee next week. I, I pray they're not overlooking them. But the way that I see LSU right now is that this defense is absolutely ridiculous. They're finally getting Joe Fusha back. We talked about that the other week where, you know, the kid – was at Arkansas for like 17 years but for some reason doesn't have the math to go to LSU like it's some ridiculous math school so what we have here now is a great defense I mean and, and then you're just adding some more depth there uh, you get Jay Ward back you get BJ Ojolari back you got all the guys back so the defense is healthy ready to roll man I it's one of those things where LSU is going to upset somebody this year and it's going to be fun because they've got the defense that can keep them in a game with anybody. And I would, I'd probably say that includes even that top tier of the SEC, and that's Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that, especially after um, watching that defense against Mississippi State, who we both think is probably better offensively inclined than Tennessee, who gets a lot of the offensive uh, accolades in the conference. So. 29 to 6 is on the record for the drunk neighbor. You should, uh, we should look for a prop bet to put that down. It's probably like 500 to 1. I'll take it. I'll put a 50 spot on that. But um, yeah, we're going to be, I, I, from my opinion, I think they need to blow them out. And I think they can blow them out. And I think they will blow them out to the point where I think LSU may even make the Molly music. You'd be proud. Oh, well, God willing, we can just get this game over with so I can wake up early on Sunday. And be miserable watching Jameis Winston in England, which has got to be hilarious, by the way. Him interacting <laughs> with Londonites. Yeah, I think that's what they're called. Uh, the Redcoats, while he's over there, that, that should be fun. So, uh, And also, I just want to say a couple more things around the SEC. So, Texas A&M, you know what? Hats off to you. You won the most ridiculous football game I have ever watched in my entire life that I think they're calling that the oink doink where <laughs> the kid knocked the ball off the top of the goalpost and not to mention Arkansas handed that game to A&M and you know what but you know what they won the game I'm not going to take it away from them. they won the game man <laughs> uh, you gotta kind of like Arkansas getting so many points against Alabama this week and I hate to keep like harping on Arkansas but Good Lord, 17 and a half points, and I, I don't think they're a crappy team. 
No, I, I don't either. I couldn't believe that when I saw it. Um, it almost scares me away from it, to be honest. I'd right. rather, that, rather, that's where it is, right? Yeah. Why, why can't they just be an eight-point dog, 17 and a half? I mean, you're basically saying it's going to be an ass whipping. I don't know. That's what the odds makers would indicate. But, yeah, A&M gave that. That was Arkansas. I've never quite seen anything that ridiculous. A 14-point swing. Arkansas outgained them by about 200 yards. Well, it's <laughs> super quarterback. Hands, it's first down, and you try. And this is a prop. This is an epidemic in college football, mostly with kickoff or punt return. But it, it's now infecting the offense. It's it's fumbled nineteen. It is where we are all just all going for ourselves. Even if we don't think that we we can score, we're going to stick the ball out as far as we can and have the opportunity for it to be a fumble. And that's what happened. And then, for once, the Texas A&M kid did the pitch to the other kid and let him return it for the touchdown because God knows Max Johnson wasn't about to run a, 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 a drive <laughs> down the field because he's a bum. But they, he did that, and they scored, and that's where you got to enjoy Texas A&M right there. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, look, thanks for jumping on, dude. Anything you want to close with? Yeah, Mississippi State beats Texas A&M this weekend. I'm tired of it. It's over. The war is over, Lebowski. The bums lost. They're not going to continue this streak. I think they lose this weekend to Mississippi State. I think Mike Leach. I mean, basically, Texas A&M is Mississippi State with thicker wallets. And now they're going to do it. uh, But now they're going to have to eat the rich. Mississippi State runs that game, runs them out of the building. Good. I'd like nothing more than that. I appreciate that, bro. Well, we'll be looking to this 29 to 6 prediction. We look forward to having you on next week. I'll probably be in studio so we could do this one uh, together. That would be fun. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Are you a white person who wants a lot of credit for helping to create racial equality while you do nothing to help create racial equality? If so, that means you want to be a woke white person. So listen up, because I'm going to give you your PhD in Wokeology. Bro Exotic joins the Sports Antelope here in this lovely evening. How you doing, bro? Uh, what's going on, dude? Bro Exotic, uh, Vice Pope of Cal, Church of Woke, Women's Rights. Sick. What's going on, dude? Nothing, man. Look, Women's Rights, absolutely. Uh, you came across a win last week, and it looks like the Woke Forest was able to withstand... And overtime, and you covered. You probably should have won the game outright, but the money still spends the same. So congratulations, bro. You are on the board, and I like it. Uh, yeah, dude. Just uh, sitting in the sun right now. Uh, just enjoying this win, dude. Uh, and my fresh pair of Wokeleys, uh, product manufactured by Cal Inc., Church of Woke Incorporated. We are now incorporated, but uh, prob- did, did I just hear that correctly? Yeah, dude. Okay, yeah. All right, we'll definitely be talking about that. Merch to follow. Uh, but anyway, yeah, dude, we're just uh, relishing in uh, in this win. Uh, as you said, uh, this woke force will not be burned down completely. Uh, you know, the, the Clemson, uh, the Confederate School of Agriculture, they just couldn't fully engulf uh, this woke forest. So we, uh, we're glad to pull that one out, dude. Yeah, me too. I, I took it. So it certainly helped out, uh, helped out the cause. So I believe you sent me a... One of your cryptic texts looks like you're going to be dealing with a college in Florida. I can only imagine there's a hurricane coming there. God knows what to expect from you. But 
I have a kind of an idea where this could lead, or maybe not. But there's only one way to find out, bro. So why don't you just take us away? Well, yeah, dude. Uh, there's pretty much only one conspiracy theorist that's worse than Alex Jones denying that Sandy Hook was real. Who's uh, that? And that would be Ron DeSantis, the, the infamous <laughs> global warming denier. Here we go. Yep. Dude, Ron DeSantis is doing this to himself, dude. Uh, you know, he has defied the will of the squad. Uh, he's defied the will of the New Green Deal. And he's defied uh, Mother Earth herself. And um, as we're seeing right now in the weather, uh, Mother Earth has decided to uh, release the Kraken upon South Florida. <laughs> uh, and I believe uh, the pirates of ECU will also have to release that Kraken on the University of South Florida. Uh, it's just not going to happen here, dude. Uh, so Ron DeSantis is, uh, it's, it's, he's, he's the reason why you can blame this future loss on him. Uh, so we're going to take ECU minus uh, nine and a half. And, uh, of course they could not play in Tampa, uh, as they were going to, uh, they had to move the game to, uh, Ratmouth, Florida. Um, so they're going to, you're going to have to help me out there. Ratmouth, Florida. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think you. You mean Boca Raton, I guess? Is that what we're doing here? I don't understand. You've known me all this time, after all these years of recording, dude, and you really think that I would say it. You really think that I would pronounce it that way. Why do you think I would not pronounce it that way, dude? I don't know. Let me take a crazy guess. I guess if I had to guess, you don't want to culturally appropriate probably the Latinx culture by providing the Spanish term for the city. I don't know. Instead, you know, make it more appropriate to say it in English because, of course, it's the language of your human trafficking colonist ancestors. Maybe wow. Something yeah. like that. That spot about on. right? So it's spot on. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I am um, learning the ways of the woke, bro. I am. Trust me. Wow. Well, you totally redeemed yourself. OK. Nice. Uh, right. So it looks like something's sticking. Uh, but I think I'm going to stick with this one, dude. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the uh, the pirates of uh, ECU. Um, Win by double digits, and uh, Ron DeSantis is going to uh, he's going to make him pay. So let me just get a quick recap here. So Ron DeSantis, a denier of global warming, and we are angling him against ECU, the Pirates, which you make a very nice double entendre, the Kraken reference with the Pirates in a game that's being played in Ratmouth, Florida. You are laying the most amount of points you can without double digits, nine and a half. And because of Ron DeSantis denying and some other types of appropriation, we are backing ECU in Ratmouth minus the nine and a half. Yes, because he is an enemy of Mother Earth, women's rights. Uh, women's rights. That is, uh, that's exactly, uh, that's why. Um, so <laughs> thus, thus saith the bro. Uh, Man, I mean, you might get, get that work. What happens if the bro starts ripping off wins? You might affect the NASDAQ. You might actually help out the market. It's hurting these days. Yeah, dude. Uh, we're just uh, we're really more focused on just uh, being being woke, right? You know. Uh, yes, of course. And why would we expect anything less? Well, bro, uh, we'll be monitoring your pick. I see you're back to the favorites now. Now you 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 did favorites the first two weeks didn't work out, but we will see what happens here because yeah. this this favorite seems to be more a super woke pick here. Well, I can't ethically uh, side with global warming deniers, so I'm just that's why I'm gonna have to do it, dude. Of course not. And we expect you to do nothing less. You do what you have to do. All right, bro. Well, you know, it's always a pleasure. Uh, go Pirates. Go Kraken and Ratmouth. And dang that stupid governor of Florida. Uh, that's exactly right, dude. You're learning well.
thank you. I'd like to think I'd pick up a few tricks of the trade after so many weeks of you bestowing this knowledge upon us week in and week out. Anything you want to close with, bro? Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, no jokes, stay woke. Uh, and uh, good parts. Hashtag BLM. Hashtag women's rights. Take care, dude. UN and OAS, they have their place, I guess. But first, send the Marines. Tommy Bench joins the Sports Antelope. What's going on there, buddy? Not much, pal. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for asking. Just over here in lovely North Mississippi, where we're having a, a, a heat, a really cold front. I believe last night it was 59 degrees. I'll take it. That's, that's always better than a hot front, or it's better than... Uh, being in Florida right now. Thoughts yeah. and prayers to lots of folks down there. Yeah, for sure. So what do you have in store for us today? So when when we're right, when we're wrong, we admit we're wrong. We, we've had to walk back stories in the past and oh, yeah. clarify when we got things wrong. And uh, with your um, prognostication when it comes to lines and spreads and Sport sporting event outcomes, as some might say, you 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 man up and admit we're wrong. But you know what? Sometimes we're right, and when we're right, we we get to tell people how right we are. <laughs> and the Eagles are in fact going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, here it is, it is plainly here's... evident. <laughs> the proclamation. Uh, we're going full circle here with Philadelphia. Yeah, you guys look really good, man. I mean, the defense looks incredible. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I watched some of that Eagles Vikings game, man. It was just I just made Cousins look that bad. The Eagles look pretty good. I well, his favorite receiver was uh, Darius Slay on the Eagles defense, so it was, yeah. it was quite <laughs> impressive. And I'm I, that's not an original joke by me. I realize, but uh, well, I, I will comment quickly I, for maybe our new listeners. I'm a, a lifelong Eagles fan, so a completely biased opinion. I start every year by saying we're going to win the Super Bowl because hey, sooner or later you're going to be right. Um, gotta be right. right. Yep. I was right one year. Maybe I'll be right again. But I, so I agree. Our defense looks pretty good. I will say the one thing that concerns me, and I, and I know I'm not the only person who noticed this. We do not seem to score a lot of points in the second half. And, and if <laughs> I remember one of the statistics, I don't think we've scored a single point in the fourth quarter, which makes me worried for once we're in a close game. Cause it, it seems like we, we do well, you know, we, we get up, we're winning by double digits, but but then if you don't, if you're not able to score points late in the game, sooner or later, you're going to run up against somebody who can score points late in the game. And if they narrow it, I just, we have not shown the capacity to score points late in the game. And, and sooner or later, you're going to be in a game where it really matters if you can score points late in the game. So that's, that's kind of the one thing I'm a little nervous about. I'm waiting to see how they do in a close game and if they step up and are able to either finish somebody off who's making a comeback or come back themselves and, you know, catch up to somebody who might be seven to 10 points ahead of them in the third or fourth quarter. So that remains uh, to be very seen. interesting statistic. I did not know that, but yes, you have to score in the fourth quarter. If you want to win with any type of longevity in this league, I'm losing my voice. I'm sorry, man. But anyway, what else you got for us here? <clears throat> All right. Well, we will keep rolling along. So by now, anybody who pays attention to the news cycles has realized Joe Biden had another Joe Biden esque gaffe. He was speaking at an event in Northern Indiana. I believe it was yesterday. So that would have been, uh, Wednesday, or it might have been Tuesday, but it hit the news cycle on Wednesday. Hmm. And he was he was saying, you know, hello to people, and and he said, and where, where's where's Jackie? And he's re- referring to a congresswoman. I'm drawing a blank on her last name, but her first name was Jackie, and she tragically died in a car accident a month ago. 
And he asked at least twice, audibly on video. You can see, you know, wh- where's where's Jackie? Is Jackie here? <sighs> and he's referring to the congresswoman because he's listing off uh, different politicians who were involved in some food insecurity bill that's either making its way through Congress or is about to be signed by him. And it, it reminds me of his gaffe that if you've seen any montage videos of him making gaffes back in, I think it was the 2008 race or sometime during his vice presidency, he was in Pennsylvania and he said, where's Chuck? Where's Chuck? Stand up, Chuck. Say hi, Chuck. Oh, God love you. Chuck's in a wheelchair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he called on a guy to stand up and it turns out the guy was in a wheelchair. Now that one, let's dive in and, and, and be honest brokers about that. Okay. If anyone has even tangentially been involved in politics or even just watched a documentary or even some political drama shows, the way this works is if you if you are the keynote speaker and you're showing up to an event, and especially if it's a political event, you get handed or you might be told names of people. Hey, can you say thank you to this person, this person and that person? And, you know, does Joe Biden know Chuck, whoever Chuck was? Obviously, he did not know Chuck personally. And most politicians, when they stand up there, and this goes Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. Most politicians, when they stand up and say, oh, and I want to thank the chair of the, you know, Smith County Republican Party for inviting me to speak, Joe Johnson or whatever the guy's name is, they don't know that person. Or maybe they met them five minutes before, but they make it seem like they really know them because they're trying to connect with the locals. And, okay, yeah. this is just politicking. It's th- That's why the, the gaffe um, – it really was a gaffe back in 2008 or 2009 that, you know, stand up Chuck, because it just, it illustrated, it kind of gave you a behind the scenes peek of, Oh, when these politicians say hi and call people out in the crowd to thank them, they don't really know who these people are. They don't really know what their contributions are. It's just, it, and so it just made it seem disingenuous. That was a gaffe. This is something different because the, the woman he was referring to was a sitting member of Congress, not a former Congresswoman, a sitting member of Congress who died in a car accident. Now, there's 435 members of Congress. I, I, I don't think anyone could memorize all 435 names and know by sight that, you know, that person's a congressman and their name is such and such and they represent this district. Maybe there are some people that are that, you know, into political nerds. But you would think you're going to northern Indiana now, I don't know if, if he was physically in the district that she used to represent, but she represented a district in northern Indiana. You would think somebody would say, oh, and Mr. President, make sure to make sure to reference uh, Representative Jackie. Again, her last name, I'm drawing a blank. Make sure to reference her and thank her for her contributions. But, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers and condolences to the family. What I think was happening is. He was going off on his own. He wasn't following the script or they didn't give him a note card. He was trying to, this is, this is Joe Biden operating on his own. And that's what makes this scary. It's not just that he misspoke. It's not that he told some guy in a wheelchair who he's never met before. It's, this is his mental capacity to remember whether or not somebody is dead or alive who passed away a month ago. Uh, Again, this, this isn't like where he's trying to recall you know, 30 years ago, did somebody die in June or July? It's a month ago, a sitting member of Congress died. 
you are in that person's district. Allegedly, he was going to meet with the family later that afternoon. And he's just totally unaware of it or it dropped it, you know, again, like me not remembering her name. I know I've heard it a few times. I think it begins with an L, but I'm not sure. That's just a fact of not putting the mental energy into remembering it. This woman is dead and he doesn't have the mental capacity or wherewithal to to be aware of that. Or he's incapable of preparing for a speech well enough to remind himself that a sitting member of Congress who is instrumental in this bill that they're talking about is no longer with us. And that should be extremely scary. Um, in, in, an, in a rare act of journalism, one of the journalists in the White House press pool was, was really pressing uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, uh, the White House press secretary, about this situation. And her, the, the, her talking point is, well, she was top of mind for the president. And so he was referring to her when it's very clear he was asking about her. <laughs> and the reporter responded by saying, well, Corrine, John Lennon is the top of my mind every day, but I don't go around asking about him and where. Which <laughs> I thought, give that man a Pulitzer Prize or whatever awards they have in journalism for committing a serious act of journalism. It, it really it's it's very concerning, especially when you have things like potential sabotage of the Nord Stream 2 pipelines, uh, Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipeline occurring. And it nobody's taking responsibility for it. And when you look at Joe Biden and think, well, geez, if we did do it, was that the guy that ordered it? Or is somebody else going around making these decisions? So closing out Joe Biden. Good. And, and moving on. As we said, whenever we're right, we, we do get to take our victory lap. So a couple of weeks ago, you might remember uh, on the podcast, I discussed how I believe that momentum was shifting back towards Republicans, um, even though the talking point was, oh, Democrats are on the move. And I said, nah, it really looks like things are starting to you know, ebb away from Democrats and flow back to Republicans. New York Times um, thought piece two days ago are Republicans regaining momentum in the midterm races? You know, and it made the point as voters are shifting their focus back to issues like inflation, crime, immigration, all issues that Republicans have, you know, a 65-35 advantage on, on the question of which political party do you trust to handle this issue better? Uh, so again, we were ahead of the curve and noticed the trend coming. Now, this is not to say, uh, for, for example, some polling is showing things flowing back to Republicans. But, for example, polling in Pennsylvania still shows both Democrats, the, the senatorial candidate Fetterman and the gubernatorial candidate Shapiro, as being up on their opponents. The gubernatorial candidate, he appears to be up on his opponent, uh, Doug Mastriano, by almost double digits in a lot of polls. I, 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 the, 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 the polling would have to be wrong to such a degree that it would essentially invalidate the entire polling industry. Um, and I just don't think that's there. I, I think that's going to be a heavy lift. I think Oz has a fighter's chance, especially uh, if Fetterman continues to refuse to debate and gets caught saying goofy things on the stump. But things like in Wisconsin, I think Johnson is showing he's running a, a strong campaign. Um, things are either even or he's up by one or two. Carrie Lake out in Arizona, who I had a chance to meet, uh, last week, I saw she's, that. she's, yeah, you know, I, I'm mover and a shaker, mover and a shaker. Yeah. Um, 
there was one poll that showed her opponent up by four, but then the majority of polls have showed her up by anywhere from one to four. So I really think momentum is on her side. But all of this to say, who knows? You know, this this Hurricane Ian, um, undoubtedly people, and in, in we're recording Thursday morning, I saw one sheriff say the deaths will be in the hundreds in his county alone. That's very unfortunate. That's too bad. Wow. Um, looking at the political calculus of that, it's always hard to know how things like this affect governors. You know, Ron DeSantis has been on TV. He's issued evacuation orders. It seems like he's doing all the things that governors should be doing. It's always hard to tell how the public will judge a governor um, for this sort of situation. So undoubtedly, there's going to be widespread damage. Damage can't be avoided. The question is loss of life and how much of it was avoidable and how much, you know, as, as unfortunate as this might be to say, how much is the result of people not following government's guidance? Right. And, and are, is Charlie Chris going to try to make this a campaign issue and will that get swatted down? So well, I think might... he's, they've already politicized the hurricane. Like they really, they're, they're going to do that. They're actually doing this right now. Right. And they kind of did it into the hurricane. Yeah. They, it's a pretty insane thing to do. It, it really is. Um, but we'll have to see how voters react. Uh, I think DeSantis could look strong and just, I mean, just being decisive, taking action uh, and, and doing the sort of things that should be done in advance, which it appears they did. And then how quickly things can, how quickly power can be restored, right? If they're able to get power restored to 2 million people within a week, I think he'll be able to somewhat take a victory lap. But I also think he's a shrewd enough politician that you don't take a victory lap. What you do is you you talk about, you know, the unfortunate loss of life and how we'll rebuild together and yada, yada, yada. If he goes out and does the Andrew Cuomo, you know, look at me and write a book about leadership challenges in the face of natural disasters, he's going to look like a schmuck. And I think he's a smart enough politician to not do something like that. And, and people may be thinking, well, why are you focusing so much on Florida? Well, look, Trump is Trump and DeSantis is the de facto heir apparent to Trump. At least that's how the media is painting him. So if if things seem to be going negatively for DeSantis, the media will attempt to nationalize that to all the other races going on and attempt to associate other Republicans with DeSantis if they feel they can paint DeSantis's performance in the hurricane negatively. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Now, if it seems like he's doing a good job and the media gets the sense that the public is giving him credit and, oh, he did the best he could do and, you know, he's doing good in the aftermath, then they will not seek to nationalize it. So it'll be very interesting to see the take the media have based on their perception of the public's view of how DeSantis is handling this and whether or not nationalizing that will help or hurt Democrats. So keep an eye out for that next coming weeks as we, I mean, really start getting into prime time campaigning season for the midterm elections. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> for sure. I don't know what's going on with my voice, man. I'm I'm just kind of losing it right now. But uh, do you um <clears throat> got anything else you want to close with? Sorry about that. No, just uh, looking forward to seeing the Eagles, you know, win the Super Bowl this season. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. Republicans retake the House and the Senate. The Eagles win the Super Bowl. It'll it'll just be a great 2020 end of 2022 and opening of 2023. Looking really looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, good luck, dude. We'll see you next week. Thanks for coming on. All right, out here. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode number 119, The Taxing Burden of Vengeance. Thanks to Tommy Bench for jumping on there at the end. Bro Exotic, and of course, The Drunk Neighbor. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us on Instagram at 
the Sports Antidote. Reach out and touch a brother and tell somebody about the Sports Antidote today. And tell them about it next week, too, because two grown men should be able to sign a document, go in a playground or a Walmart parking lot, and square off as long as they sign off on this whole thing. And I'll tell you why. Good luck to the picks this week. Good luck to the Tigers and the Saints. Keep it real, Anadotians.